Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. We continue our look at Proposal 3, this attempt in the state of Michigan to embed a constitutional right to abortion in the state constitution. With me right now to judge the uh, legal issues uh, involved here, we've got Maura Corrigan, who served on the Michigan Supreme Court from 1998 to 2011 and was also Chief Justice of the court from 2001 to 2004. She's also directed the Michigan Department of Human Services. She earned her law degree at the University of Detroit Law School and is a longtime member of the Federalist Society. She's also a member of the Pew Commission on Children in Foster Care and has been recognized for her work in foster care and adoption. Also with me, Marianne Grano, stated clerk at the Presbytery of Detroit and a pastor and teaching elder at the Presbyterian Church USA. She graduated magna cum laude from Wayne State University Law School, where she served as senior articles editor for the Law Review. And her writings on church-state topics have been published by the Alban Institute. And um, she's also daughter-in-law to Judge Corrigan. Marianne, Mora, good to have you both here. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Maura, let me, begin, let me begin with you. This is an attempt to amend the Michigan Constitution, and many of us looking at this effort see it as an end run around the difficult work of legislation regarding abortion practices, you know, with all the questions that come up regarding taxpayer funding or parental notification or standards of viability or liability of abortionists uh, in the death of uh, a client. Uh, is this an attempt, in your estimation, to simply bypass the normal legislative debate that would deal with these abortion topics? It absolutely is, Yeah, The Dobbs case was decided in June, and it sent the abortion question back to the state for all of the difficult policy decisions that would arise, mm-hmm. and that would be in state legislatures. But this particular amendment removes that debate from the legislature and prevents the legislature from regulating abortion in the future unless it's with another constitutional amendment. So it's uh, correctly characterized as an end run. Mm-hmm. I looked into it, and this constitutional amendment, this proposed language in 323 words, affects eight out of 12 Michigan constitutional provisions and 24 different state statutes that we have on the books that are pro-life that affect abortion regulation in our state. It is a very confusing and extreme proposal. Give me some idea of the different state statutes that would be set aside by this constitutional amendment. Well, let's start with parental consent laws. Another area that's affected would be rights of conscience for doctors and nurses and those involved in the process in order for them to say, no, I won't perform an abortion. Laws regulating partial birth abortion and late-term abortions would be affected. Uh, health regulations would be affected. So that those well, are some of the categories that are affected in the state statutes that seem to me to be invalidated if Proposal 3 passes. Yes. Mariana, let me ask you, what has been your read of the situation within your own uh, denominational circumstances there with the Presbyterian Church USA? 
So I am involved with Presbyterians Protecting Life. Um, there are several different types of Presbyterian denominations, and some are pro-life, some are pro-choice. The one that I'm in is pro-choice. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. However, uh, there is freedom of conscience in the Presbyterian Church, and some of us are exercising that yeah. to okay. um, protest what we see as an endorsement of a political position not based on any biblical grounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm just I'm curious here about the social environment in which you're working. Is the pro-life issue a hot issue in these days within the Presbyterian Church USA, or has it largely been considered, uh, you know, that's an old that's an old debate? I think that this is in the forefront of everyone's mind okay. in our society. Um, yeah, and I think um, also there's, as in the Catholic Church, I think there's a difference between the people in the pews yes. and uh, and the folks who are preaching. Um, yeah. Maybe it's more of the reverse in my denomination, and that the people <laughs> in the pews are more pro-life than the people preaching. Yeah. Uh, and I think in the Catholic Church, I really admire the Catholic Church. My children all attend uh, Catholic school, and my daughter, who's 12, recently went through RCIA, and um, so I really admire the Catholic Church's consistent support of life, and I really, uh, really admire the information that's been put out by the Archdiocese of Lansing on this proposal, which, by the way, is actually giving more information about the ballot proposal than uh, than the promoters of the of the ballot proposal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's if, that's a good point. If you're looking to find the text of this constitutional amendment, you actually can't find it on the website. Wow. Uh, but yes, on Proposal 3. You can find it from the Archdiocese, though. <laughs> wow. Uh, that says something. Uh, let's talk about the language of of this uh, uh, proposed uh, amendment. It, you, it says, uh, I'll just go to a uh, section of it. Every individual has a fundamental right to reproductive freedom, which entails the right to make and effectuate decisions about all matters relating to pregnancy, including, but not limited, to prenatal care, childbirth, postpartum care, contraception, sterilization, abortion care, miscarriage management, and infertility care. So this, again, the definition of an individual would be significant. Uh, This idea of about all matters relating to pregnancy would be significant. Why do you think this particular section uh, of the uh, amendment uh, is, leaves too much undefined? Maura, I'll start with you. Well, unlike a statute, which would have a definition section within the statute, there, is, there are no definitions contained within these 323 words. Wow. So uh, that um, leaves areas for courts to debate about, and usually when there's no definitions, courts will go and look at the ordinary meanings of words according to dictionary definitions. Mm -hmm. But here, this is a very confusing amendment. There hasn't been a right to reproductive freedom before. Um, This puts us on the extremes in the United States by creating this right. You'll, you'll note that, for example, sterilization is included here. Yeah. 
And the, the other thing that's distressing about this reproductive freedom for all, when you continue on in the amendment, it refers to pregnant individuals. There's no utilization of terms man and woman. It's a pregnant individual, and um, there's no age limits contained here. And as we all understand, uh, certainly minors can become pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the issue here is that um, the right that's created is not allowed to be denied, burden, or infringe on unless by a compelling state interest. Um, Who defines that? Well, there's, there's no age limit that's set out here, and I believe it's fair to say that this eliminates parental consent, mm-hmm. that we're looking at a world where uh, an 11-year-old could, uh, let's say your 11-year-old son is questioning his gender identity, right. he might consult with people in the school, and you as a parent would be, wouldn't even be notified, let alone have to consent. And I, I think, Al, it's a grave concern. I mean, my granddaughter couldn't get her ears pierced without parental consent. Right. She could have an abortion, or she could decide to have a, a different gender mm-hmm. under this amendment without parental consent. I think it's a dramatic loss of uh, rights that we understand parents to have in the, in the guidance of their children. I'm it, curious. Marianne, go ahead. If I could just add, yeah, uh, please. there is one definition within this um, within this proposal, which it dramatically increases the right to abortion, which is the definition of fetal viability, and it meets it is when in the professional judgment of an attending healthcare professional, and that could be potentially, you know, a dental hygienist, right? That's very uh, undefined. Yeah, healthcare professional. Correct. Yep. Yes, there's no. There would be a significant likelihood of the fetus's sustained survival outside the uterus without the application of extraordinary medical measures. So the baby is not viable until the point when it, the baby would not have to be placed in the NICU after birth. So that's about 36 or 37 weeks. But after that point, and this is very confusing, even after that point, right, a pregnant individual can still abort the baby mm-hmm. if there's a mental health problem. So right. essentially, a, di- a dental hygienist, right, could say, hypothetically, that um, you can abort a baby after eight months of pregnancy because you have anxiety. Yeah. So it leaves this very much open to anybody that comes under a, a broad umbrella of healthcare professional. And then you're also dealing with an expanded definition of health, a very elastic definition of health. Um, it does mention uh, compelling state, uh, an individual's right to reproductive freedom shall not be um, denied, burdened, uh, nor infringed upon unless justified by a compelling state interest uh, achieved by the least restrictive means. Uh, given all that we've said so far, what, w- what would be a compelling state interest that they could find? It seems to me it's extremely confusing since uh, later on in the amendment they say that the state can't prohibit an abortion that um, in the professional judgment of the health care professional is 
um, indicated to protect the life or physical or mental health of the pregnant yeah. individual. Yeah. And to me, these two, when you put these two um, provisions and compare the language in them, they're contradictory. They're, yeah. To me, they're saying that uh, if I'm in, you know, let's say I'm in the 36th week and I'm suffering from anxiety and depression, my uh, you know, nurse practitioner who, who could perform the abortion can say that my anxiety and depression overcomes uh, uh, you know, that I yeah. that they prohibit me from getting an abortion. Maura, I hate to stop you right now, but uh, unfortunately that clock has got a hold of us. Maura Corrigan uh, served as Chief Justice of the Michigan Supreme Court. Mariana Granow uh, graduated from Wayne State University Law School. I'm Al Cresto.